0: Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Hebrews. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 25, verses 1 through 25. You can find that on page 1380, page 1380 in the Pew Bibles. And our focus this morning will be especially on what we read in verses 19 through 22, verses 19 through 22. 22. Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 1, let us listen to this word the Lord speaks to us. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is then the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in good in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice again those first three verses, verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter the holiness holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. May the Lord bless this reading and our hearing of his word this morning. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the author of the book of Hebrews tells us in the last chapter that his word in the book of Hebrews is a word of exhortation. Now, it's a word of exhortation because the Hebrew Christians to whom he's writing needed it. He wasn't preaching about some imaginary congregation out there. Sometimes preachers do that. They say something about others in the presence of the congregation to whom they're speaking, and we all pat ourselves on the back. Shame, shame. This is a preacher who speaks directly to the need of his congregation. Now, they're Hebrew Christians. We're told at the end of the book that they were living (coughs) in Italy Probably in the shadow of Rome, a small congregation of Jewish believers who, when the gospel first was preached to them, said, this Jesus Christ is the one of whom the prophets spoke. We believe that the blood of Jesus is a fulfillment of everything foreshadowed for us under the Old Testament economy. But unhappily, they had gone down the road a ways as Christians, as believers, Jewish professors, that Jesus Christ is the mediator of a new and better country. And they were beginning to wander off. We'll see a little more about that this evening. Some of them were stopping, gathering, assembling with God's people. And they were beginning to ask themselves the question, is it worth it to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to follow after Him, to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? After all, it's causing us trouble. A little bit later, down the way in chapter 10, the author of Hebrews tells of how they were being deprived of some of their worldly goods. But they received it gladly because they knew they had a better inheritance in Christ than any portfolio, large saving account, could possibly compare. But they were beginning to wonder, is it worth it? Maybe you wonder that sometimes too. Maybe you find yourself on occasion wondering Is it true, this gospel? Is it really worth the kind of commitment? Here I'm taking an hour and a half out of my precious time on the Lord's day. It would have been much easier to stay home. Some of them were saying that's just exactly right. Now, at this point in the book of Hebrews, in his word of exhortation, it took him ten chapters to get to this point. He gets to the point, And he says, if you understand what Jesus has done for you by His blood, how He has opened the door for you. Imagine that. For you, an unworthy sinner, to run in bold confidence into the holiest of holies, to know God's favor, to enter into His presence, to know that He will gladly receive you. Nothing separates you from Him. He actually does what we tell our students at the seminary to do. If you're going to preach a sermon, speak a word of exhortation, you have to tell the congregation, what's the point? And He does that in our text. The point of the gospel is that we are now able to do something that no one prior to Christ's coming under the Old Testament economy was ever able to do. And that is to come in full assurance of faith into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. And he also does something else. The second thing that a preacher needs always to do, and that's not only tell the congregation what's the point, but if that's the point, so what? What difference does it make? Now, this is just a little teaser for tonight's sermon. We're going to look at verses 23 to 25. And if you agree with verses 19 to 22, that there is no greater blessedness that could ever be given to any creature to be able by the blood of their mediator to have free access to the throne of God, the throne of His grace, then why aren't you coming? You can talk all you want about what a glorious privilege it is to bring your cares and needs to God in prayer, through that friend, your high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, but you don't pray. That's like treating the the most glorious privilege as though it were something of little significance. Well, we'll talk more about that tonight. This morning, we look at what he tells us about this privilege of entering with boldness into God's presence. There are three things to notice That he tells us first of all he reminds his readers of why this is such a rare privilege lest they have forgotten the problem he reminds them the apparent humanly speaking impossibility of our entering into God's presence that's where he begins the second thing he does is he reminds them Of what they have in Jesus. What provision has Christ given to address this apparently insuperable problem? And then lastly, what a privilege it is. There's nothing like it. First of all, the problem, if we were listening, it's a complicated argument that the author of Hebrews is presenting throughout the previous ten chapters, but he sums it up at the outset of chapter 10 this way. You remember how under the Old Testament, how the only way you could come into the presence of God, well, as a matter of fact, you couldn't. You had to have a priest to go in your name before you. He talks about how under the Old Testament economy, in the temple worship, there were sacrifices being offered of bulls and goats, bloody sin and guilt offerings, and they were being offered every day. The morning, evening, noonday
1: sacrifice. And not only
0: that, they were only able, as God's people, to be represented in the innermost sanctuary of the temple, which was symbolic of the true and living God's presence in the midst of His people, where He placed His name and enjoyed communion with them but it was a little bit like even on the annual day of atonement you can read about that in Leviticus 16 when the high priest appointed to minister at the altar for a period of one year you remember how often God's people in the person of their representative high priest who went into the innermost sanctuary with the names of the people written upon his breastpiece, with stones on both shoulders representing the twelve tribes of Israel on both of his shoulders. Well, here's a, a Sunday school question for the boys and girls. How often did the high priest go into the what was called behind the curtain? A big, heavy curtain. You couldn't see through it. It had no opening and no one had access to it but one. How often? Once in a year. Reminds me of how when earlier, when God brought his people Israel out of Egypt through Moses as covenant mediator, you remember how the people, when they witnessed the presence of the holiness of the living God upon the mountain. What did they say to Moses when he came down from the mountain? Moses, you go near to God. We're going to keep a safe distance. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews tells you that if you accidentally or Inadvertently touched the mountain of
1: God's presence.
0: What happened? It wasn't good. Now why does the writer of Hebrews rehearse the story of what his congregation, to whom this word of exhortation is being extended, of what they knew had been true before Christ came? You know, it goes all the way back to creation. What did God, and God do when Adam and Eve sinned, offended, transgressed against God's holy law and we in Him? Oh, you can stay here in Eden as long as you'd like. We'll continue to enjoy friendly daily communion and we'll walk and talk together in the garden. This place of my dwelling with you and you with me we will be like old friends. Never mind that you've sinned. Not a big deal. We'll stay fast friends. No. He set them out of the garden, posted angelic sentries, sentries at the gate, and forbade them entree into that place where previously they had enjoyed communion fellowship. Hence, we get the language east of Eden. Now, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm talking about something that is pretty basic. It's, it's biblical ABC stuff. But I think David Wells is correct. The great evangelical analyst of the church in our day. It's being forgotten in the church. It's not front row and center in the church. And when it's forgotten, then the blood of Jesus becomes a thing of little consequence. What is it that's being forgotten? Our God is loving. Our God is good. He's merciful. He's gracious. No. None of those things are being forgotten. What's being forgotten is what Wells calls the outsidedness of God as one perfectly holy, one perfectly righteous. What was God teaching His people under the Old Testament economy when they were to make these sacrifices of The blood of bulls and goats daily and then annually on the occasion of the Day of Atonement. He says it in the previous chapter, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But did you notice what he also says in the preceding verses in the run-up to verse 19? He says, no matter how many times they offered those sacrifices... They just simply reminded the people that they were sinners and that they had no ready access to God. It's very interesting in the New Testament when Zachariah, who was priest for that year with Elizabeth, when he went behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies and didn't come out, As quickly as they had thought he was, there was a big stir in the crowd because they were afraid that he would perhaps have been struck down dead for having defiled the holy things before God in his holiness. Well, what the author of Hebrews is basically telling his readers, his hearers, is that not the blood of bulls and goats, not the daily sacrifices, Not the once, but once per year going by the high priest in your person as your representative to offer sacrifice and spread blood upon the altar. Not ever did one priest in the Old Testament ever sit down.
1: Because the sacrifice was perfect, sufficient. Adequate
0: to the need of the people. That's why in verse 19 he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, having boldness, these are remarkable words, to a company of Hebrew Christians who knew their Old Testament and the temple worship and the provision for the sacrifices daily and annually before God in the holy place and in the holy of holies. Listen to the language that he uses. Therefore, brothers, sisters, having boldness to enter where? Where no one from Adam to Christ, not even the great high priests of the old covenant, were ever able to enter with the kind of boldness with which who, you, brothers and sisters, you who are in Christ,
1: having boldness
0: to enter the holy of holies, by what? Not in your own name. Not because you're such a good person. You're not. Not because you're better than others, because you're not. You didn't earn your way into, you didn't break down the door. You shed no blood of your own to gain entrance. The blood of another, your elder brother, who was not ashamed to call you his brothers, his sisters, sharing your flesh and blood in order in the flesh... To make atonement for your sin. Notice how interestingly he puts it. How is this possible? I'm not a high priest after the order of Aaron. I'm just a regular run-of-the-mill member of the people of God. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, and he uses very striking language here, through the veil that is His flesh. Now, isn't that interesting? What was the curtain, the veil, under the Old Testament economy? It was symbolic of separation. That's why when our Lord was crucified, the curtain in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, symbolizing the blood of Jesus shed has. Well here he says his body,
1: his body is become
0: the veil, but not a veil of separation, but having provided a new and living way for us into God's presence.
1: And the whole book of
0: Hebrews, can really be summarized in one word. You remember I said to you, what was true of the Old Testament priests? Standing. Offering. Standing. Offering. Again and again and again. Our High Priest, whose blood is perfect, And altogether sufficient, having made sacrifice, how often? But once. And where is he? Seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. We're going to celebrate our Lord's ascension in a couple of Lord's Days or perhaps if you still have a service on Ascension Day a week from coming Thursday big day in the church calendar our brother our champion our great high priest presents before the father himself pairing our flesh and blood and he sits in the presence of the Father. And the author of Hebrews says, we sit with Him. He is our forerunner. That's why He also tells you earlier, when you go to God in prayer, the door is wide open. He's waiting for you to come in the name of Jesus your merciful and faithful high priest who sits upon the throne as an emblem. No more blood. No sacrifice any longer required. No altar in the covenant reformed church. Just a table of remembrance that speaks
1: a better word than the blood of Abel. I can.
0: You can. Every person in this room is able, has the right by faith, when they lay claim to the blood of Jesus. I didn't say this. The author of Hebrews says it. You may come with boldness, with full assurance. You don't have to bring anything with you. You don't have to say, well, this is what I've done, and this is what I haven't done.
1: You don't need a vaccine passport to gain
0: entrance to the throne of grace. Now, brothers and sisters, I know this is very simple gospel stuff. It's real ABC-ish. But why do we so often think that, well, if I could get an invitation to, let's say I have a friend who has seasoned tickets to my favorite baseball team and I can sit in the VIP box and eat and drink and be merry for a night. Oh, that's a great deal. Or maybe you could up the ante a little bit and be like that couple a few years ago who stole into the White House state dinner. They didn't have a legit ticket, but they managed to sneak through the back door and there was a big kerfluffle in the press. How did that couple manage to breach security and get into a room in the presence of President Obama and his wife and all these
1: dignitaries?
0: Well, apparently they were willing to go to quite a little trouble to breach security in order to enjoy that privilege. Now, never mind your politics. Let's say the president, whomever he is, is your, your, your idea of a great president. I don't know what you'd do if you got a certified piece of mail from the office of the president. Saying, hey, you're one of a select elite group of people who gets to come and join me at the White House for a celebration. Methinks, some of you might just happen to say to your neighbor, (laughs) look what I've got here. It's got the president's seal. Now, you can think of a thousand and one imaginary scenarios where your entrance into and reception by some or another person of importance, wedding reception, you name it, you fill in the blanks, you conjure up your idea of something that would be a big deal. Well, to use rather sobering language, but at the same time, most joyful language, You do have an audience with the king. You're going to be told in the book of Hebrews that it's appointed once for every man to die. There's never been a truer word spoken. I could say it without hesitation. You're all going to die. Myself included. Unless the Lord comes. And after that, there's something called judgment. And the book of Hebrews doesn't tell you that so that you'll be scared. Because He wants to remind the congregation, I'm ready. I'm not afraid. By the blood of Jesus, I have a right to entree into God's presence. That's why you have those old songs, those beautiful songs. You sang one already in the worship service. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You want for yourself and your loved one, our dear sister who died this morning, entree into God's presence without the fear of death. The author of Hebrews tells us that Christ came to deliver people who all their life long were subject to the fear of death. And my goodness, if you're not afraid of death and you're not afraid of judgment by the blood of Jesus, you're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of anything. You can be confident. You know, maybe this is an illustration I could use. I remember when I was first a young minister and the parsonage, the office, had a separate entrance to the outside for people who would come to visit the pastor. Well, we had little children at the time, and there was also a door into the office from the hallway from our residence, the parsonage. And all the little children, of course, were most delightful. It's even better when you get to be a grandfather. But anyway, when I was a young father with these little children, one the youngest, just a little infant beginning to crawl. I made it a practice to make sure the door was left open to the hallway in the hope that this sermon preparation would be happily interrupted by a couple of little brown eyes peeking around the door and coming in. You know how it is as a child, you get lost in a mall and you think you see your father or mother and you run up to them and it's a stranger. (laughs) You're bawling, crying. How is it when a father or mother sees you having been lost or you, him or her, having been found? Oh, there's rejoicing like in the parable of the prodigal. This is my son who was dead, is alive again, who was lost, is now found. Well, that's behind this language of the author of Hebrews. How is it that we can come with such boldness and with such assurance of faith when we worship, when we pray to God, when we come before God, when we cry out to God, even though we're the likes of you and me, sinners all?
1: The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Don't ever treat the blood of Jesus, brothers, sisters, with contempt. Whenever you come into the house of the
0: Lord on the Lord today, that's why we read the law. We have a service of reconciliation and confession. Not to scare anyone away, but to remind you that you can do this. Come into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus.
1: And in the day of your death and in the day of your whatever, you can always come to God like a little child
0: without any fear knowing that in His own Son He throws the door open to you and He delights to receive you
1: by the blood of Jesus. So come to Him
0: in worship, in prayer, in service, all the days of this life and
1: for all eternity. Amen.